0: Welcome to The Art of Badassery, where I explore what it takes to live life on your own terms, break free from the status quo, and unleash your inner badass. Whether you're a rebel at heart or simply seeking inspiration to step outside your comfort zone, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and each week I dive into the stories, insights, and strategies of those who have mastered the art of badassery and are living life to the fullest. They smile when no one is looking. On this episode of The Art of Badassery, fitness instructor and founder of Revolutionary Wellness, Anne Bishop Almeida, shares her journey of self discovery and how she found her purpose in helping others find their inner strength and live authentically. Anne reveals her struggles with self doubt and depression, including a defining moment when she realized that change was possible and that she didn't have to stay with her suicidal thoughts. Through her healing journey, Anne developed techniques for self-care that include setting intentions and subconscious healing. She discusses her experience as an energy healer using sacred geometry with us. Tune in to hear Anne's powerful story and tips on how you can live authentically and overcome self-doubt. Welcome to the Art of Badassery. Today, I'm so pleased to introduce Anne Bishop Almeida a woman who epitomizes resilience and personal transformation. She was raised in Lexington, Kentucky, and embarked on a winding path towards self-discovery. After earning a Bachelor of Arts in Computer Science from the College of Worcester, she entered the corporate world where external success masked her inner misery. Anne's life took an unexpected turn when she married her college sweetheart and started a family. However, after 15 years of marriage and the challenge of raising five children, her subsequent divorce led her to a profound reckoning. Birmingham, Alabama became her new home, an unexpected source of solace, despite living near her ex-husband and his new wife as they share custody of their children. Anne grappled with self-doubt for decades, relying on external validation and others' happiness to define her own. But her journey of self-discovery revealed a powerful truth. A badass is someone unapologetically comfortable in their skin, unaffected by others' opinions. Today, as the founder and CEO of Revolutionary Wellness, Anne channels her experiences into empowering others to find their inner strength and live authentically. Join me as we explore Anne's story delving into resilience, self belief, and the art of embracing your inner badass. Prepare to be inspired, peeps, as we uncover valuable lessons and unlock our true potential. Anne, welcome. It is so nice to see you, and welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Wonderful. So um, I said a lot about you, and I'm not going to talk anymore, except for... (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I would love to know if you can share with us a defining moment from your past. It may have been one that's already mentioned, but tell us about that that moment when you went, oh, wait a second,
1: something's got to change. Oh, I've had a lot of those moments. <laughs> okay, we'll start with one. I think, I think we all have. Um, you know, after my divorce, I was in a very dark place. I was in a dark place in my head. And I was in another relationship with somebody who was what I like to say he was a dark soul and it was a very um I was very depressed and I was suicidal and it had gotten to a point where my depression was kind of taking over my day-to-day and my brother passed away right before Christmas and I remember thinking my mom can't bury two kids in the same month and that was kind of that defining moment of I've got to find a way out. I've got to find a way to, find, to get to a place where I want to live the life that I'm creating. And that was you know, one big light bulb moment of wanting to get to the other side and kind of not settling for those thoughts that were just kind of the chatter in my head that had seemed to take, it, take over. And I would say the other defining moment was when I realized it's possible to change that you don't have to stay with those thoughts in your head. Like it's, I wasn't born that way. I always used to say I was born apologizing for taking up space, or I was born without a sense of direction, or I was born without this part of my brain. None of that's true. None of that is true. We are all born whole. We really are. It's just life happens along the way and makes us feel fractaled or, or mosaic, but that's the beauty of it all when it comes back together. So those, those two moments were, were massive for me um
0: so so powerful when let's go back to when you realized the in the first instance that mm-hmm. and I just want to say that my heart was just breaking for you when you when you realized that you you know your mama couldn't bury two kids in one month mm-hmm. those that were around you at that time
1: mm-hmm. were you able to share with them what you were thinking or did they see a change in you right away no I couldn't it i Reached out for help medically, like in the um, Western medical world, with a psychiatrist about six months prior to that, and I, I thought once I finally took that step to take medication, I kind of thought it would help overnight. <laughs> and the thing is, it's a lot of it's a lot of trial and error. And this is nothing against my psychiatrist at the time, you know, but he, um, at one point when I was crying to him, and I was like, "You have to help me! Like I need help! I need something! You have to help me!" He told me I sounded like every other housewife in America and what was really the problem. And that was kind of, and I, I understand looking back, I'm not slighting him. I get it. I'll, I was just saying, please help. I wasn't giving him tangible things to go off of or to go with. But it was that moment, you know, I prayed my whole life for somebody to save me. And it was in that moment I realized I had to figure out how to save myself. And that's something that is very scary when you don't know how you know, when you really just, you don't know how. And so I started doing some more research. I saw um, one of my mentors on, I love the way the universe works. I saw one of my mentors on a morning show in a doctor's office. I never watched Good Morning America. I was working you know, full-time 60 hours a week at this point. And um, she was talking about the subconscious mind and that it's possible to change. And her father had attempted suicide And so that was kind of how she started her life work to figure out how to change that chatter and how to change those thoughts. And I didn't want my kids to be in her shoes, you know? And so just planting that seed that it is possible to change. And then I did a couple of things. I didn't have anybody that I could lean on in the relationship I was in at the time. I was very isolated. It was an abusive relationship. And so I really, he had isolated me from a lot of family and from friends and you know so it was really just me and my kids were too young for me to lean you know that's not what I wanted to do for them but I did two things um while I I knew I was going to have to figure it out I was going to have to find a way to save myself but I didn't know how but I knew anytime I was in that kind of dark rabbit hole in that really dark place I was so grateful the next morning that nothing happened that I got through to the next morning and it was that kind of gratitude so it was like okay so I did what is called in the healing space, a pattern interrupt. I had no idea that's what I was doing at the time. <laughs> I had no idea this was like a thing. When I found out, I was like, oh, that's a thing. Like I did a thing. But I, you know, the plans that I had to take my own life, I, I took it away. I was, it was it was going to be in a garage. And I, um, I stopped parking in my garage. I started putting a whole bunch of stuff in my garage. So it was not possible to park in my garage because that was where the weak moments happened. That was where the like, can I do this? Can I do this? And the answer was always no, but I didn't want to even have that as an option. I wanted to be able to think about it more. And I'm still working on cleaning out my garage, but not for those reasons. <laughs> it's a little bit too easy to keep all this stuff in there. But it was that, and it was, it was holding on to, you know, cause when you're in that space, you don't, you genuinely don't believe that you're helping other people by living. Like you, you're in, it's such a clouded mind and it's hard for me now looking back and, you know, I have other friends who've, who've come to me before and they're like, I can't say this to so and so, or I can't say it to so-and-so. It's shocking when somebody feels this way. So you, you do, you keep it in and you, you hide it, but you have to find that, that one thing, the one thing that you can do that nobody else can. And for, for me at that time, I was so convinced that my kids were better off without me. I mean, it really, I mean, it is a sickness, you know, it is an illness. You're you're convinced of things that aren't true, but that's really what I believed that I was more of a burden for them. But I knew my nobody could take care of my dog better than I could. And it was that, and I know that it sounds so, as a mom, as a mom of five who loves her children more than anything, it's, I feel almost like a betrayal and even saying that. But I genuinely didn't believe I was doing a good job with them. But I knew with my dog, she's like my little lifeline and she's my kindred spirit. And I, that it's finding that one thing that can get you through to the next morning because everything in life is temporary. Everything, no matter how permanent it feels, no matter how many mistakes you've made, it's all temporary. But ending your life is such a final thing that you can't ever take back. And so it's putting in kind of the stop gaps to make sure that nothing ever comes to fruition from those thoughts that you can get through to the next morning. And so that was really, yeah. When
0: you were sharing your story, and thank you for telling us, for sharing that with us, a a couple things popped up for me, which was I really, um, when you shared that you would do a a physical act, like you'd put stuff in the garage or you'd park outside of the garage, all I could think was, yes, that she's making a declaration to the universe. Yes. But you realize that or not, or it was a purposeful thing. I, I really believe that when we, when we put a line in the sand, when we declare our worth in any type of action, the universe listens and people listen and you're parking outside of the garage is a beautiful example of that. I'm declaring my worth that I actually want to be here and all of those little things. And the other thing I thought of was um, how special animals are for us. I am a fur mama. I have two dogs and, and a cat. And I've, we've always had dogs. And um, I truly think that dogs are angels in disguise. They're yes. And so I'm really pleased that you had your little yes.
1: yes. And, you know, it in time, things did shift to where once I started doing the work where there, there were people that I could lean on. Um, it just didn't feel like it in that moment. And you know, I have to say my ex-husband was one of the ones who I called and he's one of the ones who helped me the most, you know, like once we got back to a place where we were communicating again, like he was, he was the one who I called and I'm like, I can't do this. And he's like, you got to do this. You can do this, you know, like, so it was a beautiful thing after being with somebody so long and then going through a divorce just to be able to come back around just as the parents of these five amazing people and be able to call on each other and be able to talk about things openly and be able to, It was a totally different level of our friendship that i'm so incredibly grateful for because he absolutely i mean because he he knows me you know i mean we were together a long time so he knows me well so being able to call on him and really it got to a point where all these people started once i started to kind of open myself up and share a little bit more people started rising to the occasion. And so before, you know, when I said I didn't really have anyone, I felt like I didn't have anyone, but there were a lot more people than I realized.
0: That's a really important distinction. And what I'm hearing, which I think is really beautiful, is as you went on this path of self-discovery, as you began to question and perhaps forgive yourself for buying into these misunderstandings or to just question, other people around you your relationship started to change cuz it seems like you know when you were the the old version of you mm-hmm. the marriage fell apart communication fell apart and all of this you know drama happened as you became more closer to yourself closer to your to your wholeness to the happy beautiful centered person that you are today some of that animosity may have just dissipated or just gone away you guys found a way to actually be the friends that you for how, you know, were when you began your relationship.
1: Yeah. So. Yes, absolutely. And it was um, you know, the biggest catalyst for me was the subconscious mind, but it was also the energy work. I didn't know anything about energy work. I didn't know anything about the universe. I didn't know anything. I I had no idea. And when I started learning these things. So like when I made that declaration of the universe, I had no idea anybody was listening to little old me. <laughs> Didn't know the power that I had. It really was, you know, recognizing in your subconscious mind that it's possible to change. That that's that's where the repeated patterns come in. But then also for me, grounding and doing things that are meditative practices. At first, it wasn't something where I could sit and meditate and connect to source. That was actually only in the last six months. But um, there were certain natural healing modalities that I was able to do that felt so right. And I didn't know how I knew them, but they, you know, when somebody told me them, they just, it was such a natural inclination and such a beautiful thing that that to me, the biggest thing missing for people in the mental health space and people who are suffering is that component, the energy piece. And I
0: love what you're saying, but I suspect that there are some people listening that would like a little bit more
1: clarity on what you mean when you say energy, like what exactly are you talking about? The sun? All of the above, the sun, the moon, and everything within you, but yes, absolutely. So, you know, when you walk into a room and you can just, you walk in and you're like, ooh, I don't want to go in there. That feels kind of funky, you know? And you can just almost feel the tension in the room. That's energy. That's an example of energy. That's an example of how you can feel it. Um, When you go outside and you feel the sun on your face, Or you feel in you know you feel the sun kind of come into your like coat over your whole body, that's energy also. If you think about somebody and all of a sudden they call you on the phone, that's another example of energy also. So there are little things that are peppered in that we know that we see on a day to day basis, but we think are coincidences or we think are just I don't know. They feel almost serendipitous, and they are because it's it's all things are energy. So everything is made up of energy
0: people just let's that's the sort of the basic idea behind what you're sharing with us. And we are very intuitive, whether we realize it or not. And we can often respond and feel in our gut,
1: um, the cadence of energy around us. Okay. Yes. I like that word, the cadence of energy. Um, and I'd had people at various points In my lifetime, I can remember a college professor was like, because I had ADHD, undiagnosed ADHD, and was very nervous in tests and things. And she told me she was like, "You've got to learn to meditate or do something." (laughs) You know, she was like, "You've got to relax." And this was way back in the mid '90s, so that was something that I just I pictured people sitting Indian style with their you know thumb on their middle finger and just doing the OM. And I was like, my chatter brain's not going to sit still that long. Like, what is this business? This is crazy. And, but I realized a lot of the things that I was doing on a day-to-day basis were, still had the same benefits. They were meditative. They were meditative practices. So in my workouts, I love to dance. And it's one of those things, like it just, I've never been professionally trained, but I just, I love to dance and I do it every day. And I teach people how to dance and all of those wonderful, amazing things. And that is a meditative practice. When you go in the garden, my mom is an avid rose gardener. She has beautiful gardens. And that's a meditative practice. Because what it does, it's, to me, meditation is something, ultimately, yes, your goal is to connect to your God, your source, the universe, however you view it. There is no right or wrong. And sometimes our I call it our monkey minds and I love monkeys. So it's nothing against monkeys, but our monkey minds make it so that we can't really sit in in, and receive that connection and reach out for that connection. So there are other ways that you can do things to receive the same benefit as meditation, like the gardening and like the dancing and the working out and being outside and being around animals as we were talking about our dogs before. All of those things have meditative benefits I guess you could call them because it it helps your the chatter in your mind kind of pause for a minute. So anything that you do where you you feel like you don't have to think about it, and it brings you joy. Those are meditative practices.
0: So very similar to um, becoming mindful, I think. Yes. Um, of course, my business is called Mindfulness with Mahara, so I'm really uh, I'm really big on sharing with my clients. Again, to your comment. Being mindful isn't necessarily about you know being a yogi <laughs> sitting on top of a mountain, but if you can be fully present in whatever you're doing, in other words, you're not worrying about the future, you're not freaking out about the past, you're not fretting about what if, what if, what if, you are totally present, i.e. gardening, i.e. dancing, I, you know, all of those things, then it is a form of meditation for sure, because in my world, I'm very, I'm present. And whenever I'm present, I feel connected to the source. So mm-hmm. I, I love that explanation. So I want to make sure I'm, I'm understanding the journey. Even back in college, you recognized that you were struggling with some anxiety, albeit un, undiagnosed at that time, ADHD. And did you at that point take your professor up and look at traditional meditative practices? Or did you just
1: recognize that you were and had had been doing some meditative things all along? Um, no, at that point, I kind of laughed and said that I couldn't possibly do that. Yeah. <laughs> to be totally honest, I love Dr. Byrne, over at Worcester. she's retired now, but it, but it planted that seed. It did plant the seed and, and she had suggested yoga also. And th- once I graduated college, that is where I started, um, taking and teaching yoga and Pilates. And that was it. And I would take people this. So this was amazing. At the end of my yoga class, I would take people on bit of a meditative journey. And I didn't really know what I was doing. It was intuitive. I just would kind of guide them through something. And I never did it for myself. I could do it for them. And when I started learning more about energy work and learning from one of my mentors, becoming a healer, they walked me through that same meditation. And I thought, well, son of a gun, I've been doing this for 25 I've been leading people through this for 25 years and I had no idea what I was doing but that's exactly what I was doing I was filling them up with the light of the sun all the way through their body you know this whole meditative practice that I had no idea that that's what I was doing because I I would tell myself I'm not good with labels that was something that, so, you know, we start to tell ourselves things, right? And I would say, because I never understood like societal rules growing up. I was like, well, why can't this person talk to this person? And why? I, I just, it didn't make sense to me because I really see every individual as their beautiful whole self. And so I just, I didn't understand the rules. So I would tell myself I wasn't good with labels or I would tell myself I wasn't good with these things. And this was all like the chatter in your head of what you're telling yourself. And So I would tell myself that I couldn't meditate, but I'd been doing it for 25 years. I'd been helping other people do it. I'd been walking through a grounding meditation for 25 years, but I had no idea that that's what I was doing. And so that's kind of an example of how the answers really are within us, but we just have to trust ourselves enough to understand that what we're saying is valid and that what we're saying is right for us. So what are you saying to yourself today? Oh my gosh. I love my life today. I love that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So talk to us a bit about what you do today for a living. So today I, I help other people in so many ways, their <laughs> mind, body, spirit, all things. Um, I am a fitness instructor. I'm actually developing my own app for to because I want people to just, move their couches out of the way and dance in their living room. Like nobody's watching. That's what I, that's my goal. Because I do believe when you go into workouts and things with, um, a heavier intention with a, you know, I have to do this because I have to lose this weight. It takes on a different spin. If you go in, like, I'm going to go dance in my living room for 30 minutes and I'm going to sweat and I'm going to feel great. It has a totally different spin and a a different outcome as well. So that's one of the side things that I'm working on and I'll have mat based, um, flows in there as well i've been teaching pilates and mat-based things for like i said the better part of 25 years and that's all very those workouts i realized are, are they're channeled i don't plan in any of them before i go in i just pay attention to how my body wants to move and how other people in the room want to move you know i always tell them to give me feedbacks so if they don't we're going to keep going You know, <laughs> so it's a very intuitive space so i'm that's a side project and then i am a coach now And I work with the subconscious mind and healing for others to find when you go back to that root. So when you, so this is a perfect example here. Um, When you go back to the root of something, when you, it's kind of like digging up the root of a tree. Like I feel like so often in therapy, we kind of, we pull off different pieces of fruit and another branch just grows back in its place. So when you go back to the inception point and you shed a different light on it, when you have a different perspective it shifts things and so that that shift is what makes the whole tree dissipate or it makes it look a different way so you can understand things in a different perspective and that's how you create new neural pathways in the mind so in doing this work and i'm kind of going off on a tangent so i apologize <laughs> i'll come back around to the other piece of what i do but um in doing this work i realized where my belief that suicide or ending my life would bring me relief. And it came from, uh, this is so crazy. So when I was about 12 years old, I can remember uh, my parents had gone out and for the night, like for my dad's work or whatever, cause he had, they had to be very social. And I, I was one of those kids that was always so sensitive. Like everybody always told me I was so sensitive cause I really, when other people hurt, I felt like I hurt too. And people would say, oh, you're just making it up, you know, all those different things. So I would bottle it up. So I felt like a little, I was kind of like a, I felt like any little thing was like dropping a mento in a Sprite bottle, I was going to implode, you know? And so I would get to that point. And so i learned at such a young age how to get it out. And I would watch a tearjerker movie. And that was kind of my release. Like that, I would be allowed, I would let myself cry and be upset if I was watching a movie because I was crying because of the movie. Well, the movie I always chose was this movie, Stealing Home. And it's a movie with Mark Harmon and Jodie Foster. And it's told mostly in flashbacks. And Jodie Foster is a babysitter who ends her life. And she leaves her ashes for the little boy, who is now an adult boy played by Mark Harmon, to figure out where to spread her ashes. And he spreads them in the ocean. Like he goes through all the different flashbacks of memories and trying to figure out where she would feel most at peace. And he ends up spreading them in the ocean so that she can fly as high as she ever wanted to be. And so for me, that release, that was my that was my comfort. That was how I found comfort in when watching that movie. Cause it would let, i called it the floodgates and they would just, it was just like a night where I would just cry and I could get it out of my system and I'd be good for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, I'd start to feel it build up again. And, but that was where that, that was the inception point for me was in that movie and in the relief I found in that movie. So it's not, I wasn't born that way. I wasn't born thinking there was some relief in that. And once I realized that was the inception point. I don't wanna say that that was the exact moment where I was like, okay, it's no longer an option. Cause that was probably a year after it was no longer an option. But finding that inception point gave me such a sense of peace to understand why I felt the way that I felt. And that it wasn't something, I wasn't born with a defect of thinking that this was an option. There was a reason why there was an emotional attachment to, to the outcome. And you as a little girl, that's what made sense in the moment. Mm-hmm. yes
0: um, yes I think you know even with my clients clarity is everything and to mm-hmm. your point when you can get to the root or and sometimes it, it's as simple as you know I'll ask a, a client they'll share something with me that's happened in this moment and that's causing mm-hmm. the distress and I'll say um, have you ever felt like that before mm-hmm. and I'll go yeah and I'll go well then let's think back when and It's really amazing when you, when we give ourselves permission, our inner wisdom, as you said earlier, we know our inner wisdom comes up and, you know, there's always, and I've experienced it myself. There's always a beginning. There's always an incident. And when you can look at it through the eyes of a grown-up woman, (laughs) as you are today, Mm -hmm. through the eyes of total love, like if we were to take away the judgment from that experience, what, what actually, what actually happened? You know, I, I I refer to it in my in my work as um, being like Columbo, just the facts. Like, take away the story and just look at the facts. Oh, well, the facts are, I was yelling like a banshee and my mother got upset. That's the fact. The story I told myself was I wasn't a good child because yeah. I got yelled at. I'm just pulling that out of out of the air. No, box. I
1: love that though. That's such a good yes, exactly yes. As
0: humans, as 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 spiritual beings having a human existence, we are in judgment constantly, unless we are aware of it and we can step back and we can go, wait a second, what's that? Um, So I love that you recognize that and that, and that you found that, you found that piece. What else do you do? Cause you said there were two things you got off on a tangent. You said, I'm going to come.
1: <laughs> we always come back around. Um, Yes, I am. I'm an energy healer. And by saying, you know, it's funny. One of my mentors, she, I overheard her saying that I was one of the most powerful healers she's come in contact with. And in that moment, it was like, wow. She's like, you knew that you weren't supposed to be listening. You should know this, you know? So again, the permission and, you know, what we tell ourselves, but, um, energy healings for me, I use sacred geometry. So it's a little different than Reiki. A lot of people are familiar with Reiki. Um, and using sacred geometry allows me to, do the healings remotely in essence. So you can, I can do them from anywhere in the world. I've done healings for people all over the world. And some of my clients, I had one gentleman who had had PTSD nightmares from his time in the service for the past 15 years. And he's been nightmare free for almost two since he had a healing with me. And that was just one healing. I've had um, people come in with physical ailments. I've had somebody come in with a broken bone. And trust me, y'all, I understand. For me to say I healed a broken bone sounds absolutely wackadoo. I get it. Like, I promise. I understand how crazy that may sound until you've seen it for yourself. But um, it's amazing. Our bodies are designed to heal themselves. We just have so much programming and so many things that get put into place to where we start to doubt ourselves and we don't give ourselves permission. I love that giving yourself permission to be that powerful, but every single one of us is that powerful. So because you're right, when you said that I had a
0: little jolt inside going, oh my gosh, but for me, because I live in this world as well, I'm very familiar with energy healing. I, what what I'm hearing is you facilitated your client to harness their energy and and make a shift in their body. Like it's not, your, is it your energy that's making the difference or is it their own energy that they're harnessing?
1: Um, it's actually divine energy that I harness and channel for them to, for their body to heal using sacred geometry. So it's actually, it's some of my energy, but it's mostly divine energy. And And when I say divine, I, I mean, it, it can be whatever you believe. Like people ask me questions and I'm like, it really, there is no right or wrong. That's that's the thing. That's the hard part that I have with conventional religion is that we're all, it seems people are just battling each other over which one's right. And the, at the end of the day, everybody's right because it's what you believe. So here's a question for you. And I didn't know we were
0: gonna be talking about this, but, <laughs> but I think it's, I think I'm sure people are asking this themselves. Is their belief necessary for energy work or for life in general? Just for for the work that you do.
1: No. Wow. It will work no matter what. Okay. It will work no matter what, and it's amazing because I've seen I've seen both. I've seen people who full on believe, and I've seen people who are like, "There's no way this is gonna help me." And I've had them come back and say, Oh my goodness, my life is completely changed. I had something, I've never done
0: energy work, but I do remember I did a past life regression when I was in my 20s. I went into it as the biggest non believer. In fact, I treated it like it's kind of like a joke, like just a lark, (laughs) some entertainment. 40 bucks, you know, 30 odd years ago, 35 years ago, I spent 40 bucks for a past life regression. And I, when in I was I was so cerebral at the time, I'm like, I'm gonna catch you out. I am <laughs> gonna make sure I'm gonna pay attention. I'm gonna, you know, make sure that I'm very clear with what I say. I'm not gonna give you any hints, you know, whatever. Yes. And um when I left there, I'm like, okay, I believe. <laughs> I believe now. Like I, wow. And you know, truthfully, I mean I I make light of it, but regardless of whether my memories are my memories, which is what she thinks. She didn't record it either. She said, I don't need to record this because I'm just helping you to remember something. And once you remember, you remember. Um, But I realized that regardless of whether it was a true memory and this was, you know, I recounted some past lives that were most affecting my current life or I was just a highly um, imaginative, you know, 20 something year old. Both options were amazing because I came up with this in the moment. <laughs> like, that. Or wow. Okay. So life really does operate this way. That's so interesting. Like, so to me, it was win-win once mm-hmm. I let go of my determination to prove her wrong. Yes. So a little side note there, people, I'm not quite sure how that made its way into this podcast, but it did. That too. It was meant to. Okay. So you are, um, a fitness, coach you help people through experience energy shifts and joy through movement do you still yes Yes, i still do that yes you also are an energy healer so you call you're able to channel the divine energy through how did you refer to it geometric through sacred geometry sacred geometry to help um help clients with any manner of challenge or is it typically a pain for, uh, something that's pain, like' it's any
1: any manner of challenge uh, any type of challenge that they may have. And you know, one of the big things that really was a huge game changer for me with energy work that anybody can try who's listening to this is and it plays into the healings. also it's your intention. And it plays into my workouts, too, your intention. So setting intentions is one of those things. you can think of it as a prayer. it, it apps in to some extent, it is a prayer and people have been praying for, you know, I'm not counting time, but you know what I mean? (laughs) So when you set an intention going into the healing, um, I usually set the intention to heal what is ready to be healed for the highest good of all. So our, our healing journey, it's kind of like an onion layer. And so it's never fully done, which is one of those things you're like, yeah, I just really want to, have one session and then be done and so certain things can be handled in one session but you they're all different layers of the onion and so setting intentions is something that I do before my healings I do it before my coaching sessions I do it when I start my day even to set intentions for how the day is going to be or how I'm going to sleep and it's not not something that I want someone to hear and say, oh gosh, it's another thing that I need to do or that I did wrong. Like in the beginning, when I started learning about intentions and I would forget to set an intention for the day and I'm like, oh great, mess that one up again. I didn't set an intention for today. So this is not for somebody to think, oh, I need to do one more thing and not do it right. So it's just when you feel called to set the intention or to start your day. And it's literally as simple as saying, I'm setting the intention to feel amazing today or to see the magic of the universe today, or to feel whole today, whatever the intention, you know, whatever feeling you want to feel. And so with my workouts, that's something that I have people do in the beginning. I have them pause for a second before we start, whether we're on the mat or whether we're dancing. And we set an intention. How do you want to feel when the workout's done? Like, what do you you want to feel? Like genuinely ask yourself, because so many of us get stuck in the shoulds and I shouldn't feel this or I should feel that. And the reason why all these things get funky and you start to feel like life is happening to you instead of for you it's because of all those emotions that get stuck and all those things that get trapped and that's where people they call them energetic blocks and you know there's a variety of reasons why they come in but it a lot of it has to do with emotions and i feel like intention is the most beautiful way to go back to those emotions those raw emotions that you want to feel on a daily basis
0: i love that and it plays it ties really closely into something that i feel strongly about which is um, the power of language I think that yes. we don't know how we, we only know, I feel stress, for example. And I, I teach my clients to say, now let's go a little bit deeper. What ex- are you, is it stress? Is it anger, disappointment, fear? You know, there's so many other beautiful words in, in the English language, in all languages. So I, I think that to your point, setting an intention is a is a beautiful way of declaring to your to the world, to the universe, to the spirits that stand on either side of you how you want to feel that way. And learning, the having the language to explain it, articulate it is really beautiful and, and powerful as well. So, uh, okay, yoga, dance, setting intentions, an energy healer. Did I miss anything? A coach also, yes, a coach. What is one of, can you share with us one of the most beautiful aha realizations that you've had? as a coach, when you think of where you have been to where you are today?
1: Oh my goodness. You know, and this this may make me cry, but it's when I wake up in my days now, if I had known even an nth of how I feel on a daily basis now was possible five years ago, it would have changed so much because I felt so stuck. I felt so deep in my rabbit hole. And just even the idea that it was possible that I didn't have to live like that, that things could be better or that thing, you know, that I could feel like I'm in some, it's not even a control thing. It's just, it's it's feeling joy and it's feeling alive. Would you also say it's feeling connected? Oh yes, absolutely. I said, absolutely. say that word
0: because what you described and what I've experienced in my own life um, with as a mom, as a sister, as a, as a wife, as a daughter, is when I am feeling at my lowest, I feel alone. Yes. When I am feeling my best, I feel connected. and I you know, as human beings, spiritual beings having a human existence, we want that. You know, we come from connection, and I think as human beings, we are constantly searching for it. And I think we're in a time right now where for lots of different reasons, so many of us are feeling disconnected. I'm the only one I, you know, we feel alone and we feel judged and all of these things. And for lots of reasons, which is why I'm so pleased to do the work that I do. I'm so pleased that you're doing the work that you do because everybody matters. And, you know, one of the things that I talk about quite a bit is the fact that, you know, it's good to be badass. and, and, the first step to being badass is recognizing that you matter. So I'm wondering, and can you share with us a couple things that you do to help you feel badass and authentic and happy in your skin? So our listeners can kind of go, okay, I can do that too.
1: Yes. Okay. So one of the, this is the most simple thing that just absolutely works every time. I take a salt bath every day. I take a salt I take a salt bath every day. What's a salt bath? It's a bath with some Epsom salts. Like literally go to Target, buy some Dr. Teal's soaking salts. And I take a salt bath every day. A salt bath will give you essentially an energetic cleanse. I did not know that. Yes, and if you don't have time to take a bath or you don't have a bathtub, stick your feet in it. Because a lot of what we absorb throughout the day we take it to bed at night and then we don't sleep well and then we carry that through with us to the next day and so when you do the salt bath or you soak your feet and just set the intention that you want to release anything that is not for your highest good and then refuel yourself with love should we do the salt bath at night in that case i've had many a meltdown in a salt bath when i'm at my lower point i can tell you a very cathartic cry in a salt bath you feel so much better than just if you do it in your bed so if you're in a low point and you need you need an extra comfort or a hug and you don't have one around you go to the salt bath but yes at night is kind of is a good is a good protocol um music music's the other one what are you listening to that's a big, how does the music make you feel? You know, does it make you feel like dancing around your kitchen or does it make you feel like you want to go cry and watch Netflix? You know, start paying attention to the things that are in your day-to-day life that may have become habits that feel good because they're com- they're familiar and they're comforting, but they may not be serving you so much. So I realized I had some songs that were kind of like trigger songs for me a few years ago, you know, and they would... Take me right back to that sad place, and although it was wonderful to release the tears, it wasn't the type of sadness that I wanted to linger. And so I realized I had, you know, look at kind of what you identify with different things, like how how you identify those things, um, and getting outside, walking barefoot in the grass. I know some. I had one person who's like, "I'm allergic to grass," and I'm like, "All right, well, we're not going to walk barefoot in the grass then." <laughs> Doesn't mean that it's for everybody, but walking barefoot in your grass, just when you're having a moment, if you just need to just have a, just take yourself outside and get your feet barefoot in the grass. And the last one, so this was the biggest game changer for me. And I have a lot of clients who do this. And it's kind of more of a proactive thing than a reactive thing. You can use it reactively, but it's a little bit more proactive. And it's, it's called square breathing. So it's essentially breathing in your nose for three counts, five counts. The number of counts doesn't matter so much, you know, like don't focus on that too much, but breathing in through your nose, holding your breath at the top for the same count. So if you breathe in for three, hold at the top for three, exhale out your mouth for three, and then hold for three. So you see how it kind of makes a square and that essentially resets your nervous system. So you do that just three to five times, whatever intuitively feels right. And this is some, this is a way for me to introduce kind of our own self power to people who really are like, they've never heard of energy work. They're not really into coaching. They don't really need to help, but yet they're coming to me for help, but they really don't know what to do. You know? So it's like, it's that bridge moment. And I had someone do it and he called me the next day. He's like, I feel like my computer, I just rebooted it after being on for a week and I feel so much better. He's like, I don't understand that was so simple and it sounds so simple, but it really is so powerful. And so what I'll have people do, and I did this in the beginning was I would set an alarm on my phone. I would set an alarm on my phone and I would say, breathe, lovey. And that, sorry, that brings me to another thing, how you talk to yourself. Like, what do you call yourself? Like I I used to say all kinds of mean things to myself in my head and i realized for the people that i love i would call them lovey or i would call them honey or i would call them whatever and so i realized i wasn't calling myself that and that shift really changed things so in in my alarms on my phone i would say go outside and breathe lovey just take a pause and it wasn't that it wasn't a reminder like oh you haven't done this you haven't done this you're late for this but it was a reminder that was for me and i was like coming back in to give myself a hug and just do it not because anything was going wrong but just to feel kind of in that moment and anchor me back in that moment and i've had clients do this and one of them he was so funny he's like i was running around costco and all of a sudden my phone started going off and i didn't know what was going on and then i look at my phone and it was like breathe lovey because i set the alarms on the phone for him and he was like oh yeah none of this is that important And he just kind of felt himself kind of wash into the, you know, into the floor below him. So so there are ways that don't have to cost a lot of money, that don't have to make you feel uncomfortable, that you will feel a difference right from the get-go the first time
0: you do it. Oh, so, so good. I love all this juicy goodness. And what I'm hearing, and I hope the listeners are hearing as well, is that when we slow down, take a breath, recognize how amazing we are, and have some gratitude, have lots of gratitude for everything in our life, it does make an energetic shift. We do feel better for it. And to your point, you know, this isn't about spending a lot of money and, and getting looking outside for the fix. This is really about slowing down and looking inside. Yes, Epsom salt is an outside thing and it, it put in your bath and it really can affect the energy and pull some you know, toxic energy out of you. Um, and if nothing else, it's fun to have a bath, like bubble baths and those are great. But really everything that you've been sharing, Anne, has been um, an invitation to go inside, to do what we do naturally, to smile, to love, to laugh, to dance. To connect, yes. share. Those are all really simple, beautiful reminders that we are spiritual beings having a human existence, and this too can pass. You know, having a thought doesn't make it a fact. It's a thought.
1: That doesn't it's make. The weight it. We give it. It's the weight we give it,
0: which oh. I and that
1: was kind of a big thing for me when I realized. You know, because I did go to therapy and I loved my therapist. She was wonderful, but I felt like I was feeding. I was just feeding the problems instead of going more towards the solutions. Cause they're in there at the level of fact, there wasn't a solution that she could give me. It wasn't that, but I think to your point, the answers are within, but we're so we're taught so often that we don't have the answers that we have to seek them elsewhere. And really when, when you dial back in everything, that everything that you need yourself is within you. And that's what, as a coach, my role is just to kind of help you find that and help you navigate and feel that trust within yourself and that belief in yourself
0: beautiful beautiful um so proud of the work that you're doing and and so excited to hear more about it thank you so much for joining me today but before we sign off what's something that nobody knows about you or most people don't know about you that would that they would be surprised to know
1: Oh, well, you you said that in the intro. Most people don't realize I have a computer science degree. <laughs> people like literally people who met me now, like in the last three or four years, and then they find out I have a, a degree in computers and then I worked in um the accounting industry for 25 years. And it literally has stopped people in their tracks. Cause now I I mean I paint and I draw and I take care of my kids and I coach people. You know, so every things that I do now are not very geared towards the left brain and that was my world for so long so that yes you can have multiple facets of your brain in use at the same time (laughs) I love it I love
0: it I'm surprised too I would I would never have guessed that so it was a bit of a surprise to me as well can you share with the listeners how they can contact you of course guys in the show notes you'll have all of the links to connect with her but Anne what's the best way for people to reach out and 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 spend some time with you
1: You can reach out to me through um, my website, which is www.revolutionarywellness.love. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram, which is my full name, Ann Bishop Almeida on Instagram. You can shoot me a message over there. But it is the biggest thing that I want people to understand is that it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you haven't done. If you have any inkling in you that wants to feel better in your days, it's possible. It is 100% possible. No, you're not stuck. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. 100% possible. And I want everyone to take away that
0: um, Anne is, as you can well imagine and believe, she is badass. And it's Mm -hmm. not because she has a computer degree. It's not because, you know, she lives in this beautiful home. It's because I think she has recognized her strength and her beauty in who she is. Um, Challenges and all. She is And we all are, you know, we're all children of the universe. We're here for a reason and we, we matter. We all matter. So I hope you're having an amazingly badass day. Those of you that are listening, thank you for joining us today as I chatted with my friend Anne and look for the show notes for a way to connect with her. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Art of Badassery. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help unleash your inner badass. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve the show, but it also helps others like yourself discover the podcast. Until next time, keep embracing your authenticity and living life on your terms. Here's to you.